stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, I'm seeing some images uh, coming out of Ottawa suggesting some vehicles are leaving. Uh, but clearly, uh, for the most part, the situation remains. Police were distributing leaflets to protesters today, uh, warning them that if they stay, they will face arrest, and that they have the opportunity now to leave. Clearly, the message, at least from organizers, is they're not going anyway. So we, we've got a situation coming to a head. The uh, invocation of the Emergencies Act is meant to give police the tools uh, to deal with this situation as, expedi- as expeditiously as possible. But this does represent a considerable challenge with all those individuals there, but more to the point, all of those vehicles there. Now, we have seen situations elsewhere resolved to varying degrees. Windsor, Ontario, Emerson, Manitoba, Coots, Alberta. Has the threshold been met here for the invocation of the Emergencies Act? Uh, Did the federal government have other tools at its disposal uh, short of invoking this? that could have addressed the situation. Why were these other matters resolved without the tools and the authority uh, granted by the Emergencies Act? So we've certainly heard uh, the case against this, that it's unnecessary, that it goes too far. I want to get the other side of this. Andrew Coyne, columnist for the Globe and Mail, lays out the case for invoking the Emergencies Act in his latest at theglobeandmail.com, and he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Uh, Andrew, good to have you with us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program. Good to be with you, Rob. I mean, I certainly get the sense that you're not maybe entirely comfortable with the government going down this path. It is, I guess, unprecedented in that it's the first time this legislation has been used. But on balance, you seem convinced that it's necessary. Tell us why. Uh, I'm not sure I would say that, Rob. I think I would say that I'm open to it. I think the the, the onus is on the government to show its case. And there are lots of reasons uh, to doubt whether they can show that it meets the tests that are set out in the act as to whether or not you can invoke it. I think what I would say is I'm open to persuasion on that, that I think we're dealing with a fluid and dynamic situation, which isn't uh, necessarily to justify it, but it means that we want to keep a watching brief on this. So I think one of the things that's concerning them, one of the things that's different from Ottawa from the other uh, cases is that it's a much more entrenched blockade. It will be potentially much more difficult to get them out of there. Uh, and it may be, it may be that they need uh, broader tools than they've had to date. And that's one of the questions that one wants to, to, to look at on this. So I think one of the things they're concerned about is that there are very violent people in the midst of uh, the larger group. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something, again, that, that has to be shown. But that's one of the things that may be on their mind. The fact that there are children in the midst there, it was interesting to me that one of the provisions that they've announced as the type of measure they'd like to enact would be to, to basically say you have to get your children out of there. Uh, I think that may be um, they're trying to anticipate things that could go horribly wrong if they tried to get people out. And I think the other thing they're concerned about is if they take these guys out, do you get copycat or retaliatory blockades popping up elsewhere? Uh, so they're, I think they're looking down the road at how do we contain the fallout from trying to uh, uproot the people in uh, in Ottawa. So all that to say is, I think there is a, a a real threat and a real problem that they're trying to deal with. Uh, it may be the case has to be made. It may be that they need more powers to do that, uh, and it may be that you can justify uh, the Emergency Act in trying to to assign that. But there's lots of hurdles they have to get over, and mostly I'm in favor of. Uh, let you know if it has to take let let the courts decide on some of these questions. Yeah. We can all offer our opinions, 
But ultimately, what what makes the Emergencies Act so different from the War Measures Act that it replaces is it is all under the review of the courts. It is under the scrutiny of parliamentary committees. Uh, and ultimately, of course, it's also subject to the, the court of public opinion. And the government, Trudeau, would basically bet his government on this. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's there's a considerable political gamble here for sure. Uh, it, it is, and, and I think you allude to this, I mean, it is a, a unique challenge. Obviously, we've seen blockades, uh, you know, and po- protests in the form of blockades. We saw that a couple of years ago. We have also seen large protests. We have seen, you know, certain protest movements unfold over days and weeks, right, where, you know, we've, we've seen summers full of protests in various parts of the country. But we've never seen something like this, have we? N- not quite, no. And I, we, And I think that is part of the context that we all should be considering here. And again, you know, I think we have to resist letting our knee jerk in either direction of just, you know, too quickly signing on to this or too quickly rejecting it. But the situation we're in now is uh, one where we have, um, uh, that we have not had in decades past, where you've got social media as an agency of radicalization of people where they can mobilize and and uh, um, sort of gin up their, their ideological fervor on things where they can bring in foreign money without any documentation of it. That's a new thing as well in this kind of organization. When you've got the use of trucks, kind of unconventional weaponry. Uh, so, so governments here are dealing with a, a, a challenge, you know, is very different from uh, a small cell of terrorists, let's say. Uh, and, it, the, and, and in a country like ours that is stretched out along 5,000 kilometers uh, of, of border, Went very narrowly stretched out with all these, you know, chokeholds and 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 points where it's very easy to to, to interrupt infrastructure. Um, we're very exposed, uh, and we have yeah. to be alert to that. And we, yeah, we've gone through in the last two years two situations with blockades, very different groups, very different aims, uh, and we spent a lot of time with each side of the ideological aisle hurling accusations of hypocrisy at each other because you supported that blockade, but you don't support this one, and back and forth. Right. Uh, I think what we should all agree is, whatever our ideological causes is, blockades are not a legitimate way of of, of advancing your cause. It, that's not peaceful protest. That's not civil disobedience. That's basically holding populations to ransom. Uh, and, and that is not an acceptable way of advancing our causes in a democracy. No, it's not. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think we are drowning in hypocrisy, and I think it's a pretty sad indictment of our, our political class, that's for sure. And I mean, you know, maybe to some extent here, we're, we're setting a precedent uh, in, in the use of the Emergencies Act, if, if indeed the, go- the government has set the bar too low. I mean, the conservatives would be hypocrites to, to invoke it in the future, having rigorously opposed it this time around, and vice versa with the liberals. But th- there, is, there is that concern here. What, what do you make of the, the potential precedent this all sets? I- I think that is a legitimate concern, and that's why the bar has been set very high in the legislation as to when you can invoke this, and that's why it's not trivial or a, or a merely tactical matter uh, as to whether or not the the, 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 the threat that's involved here uh, crosses that bar. Uh, I, I don't think it's an open and shut case that it doesn't. I think the government can make that argument, uh, but people are entitled to look at that skeptically and say, okay, make your case. Show, show, show a reason why this this meets the tests that are set out in legislation that there really is a public order emergency here because you don't want it to be invoked willy-nilly for every every little thing and you certainly don't want it to be used against you know lawful and legitimate and peaceful protest i do think uh i don't think that's what we're dealing with here i think we are dealing with a breakdown of public order people just openly defying the law uh potential for uh, violence etc i think there are i think this is 
much to be distinguished from a, from a simple act of protest. But at the same time, yeah, you want uh, you want the hurdle to be high and you want the, the, the burden of proof to be on the government to show uh, why it's necessary. There is an element of um, paranoia, maybe you could even call it, in, in, in this movement. And certainly many have convinced themselves that we have a, a government that is acting in a tyrannical fashion, that uh, the rights of Canadians are being trampled. Uh, now we have this, and it's certainly being portrayed as the War Measures Act, certainly being portrayed as martial law, the government suspending charter rights. This government that was already inclined to trample our rights is now going even further does that risk a backlash? And, and to what extent should that shape the government's approach here? It does risk a backlash. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Uh, some, you know, when you're dealing with people who are that paranoid, there are things that are, there are risks that are worth taking with that and risks that aren't. So, for example, um, I don't think it was smart at all of the government and of the prime minister to have used vaccine mandates as a wedge issue. In the election right. campaign, it's it's one thing to have to have that as your policy, but you don't have to make that the single issue of the campaign. Knowing that you're dealing here not just with a minority, but a minority that is more than usually paranoid uh, and not particularly rational, and is not going to necessarily take this lying down. So I, I I agree with people to some extent that to some extent the prime minister is reaping what he sowed here. Um, so that was sort of gratuitous rhetoric that was basically for political gain that really wasn't terribly helpful. I think this is a different situation where you've got a situation that certainly never should have arisen. You know, they never should have let the trucks get into Ottawa in the first place. But now that they have, and now that we have the situation on our hands, um, uh, if, if, if measures, you know, are required to be taken and those measures are going to contribute to the paranoia, I, I just think that's, that's just an unavoidable situation. You can't give a heckler's veto uh, to the most paranoid group in society in terms of how you deal with this thing. I certainly mean, I think they, they have to make the case not just to them, but to the general public as to why this is necessary. I certainly think they have to be, be absolutely clear that they're only taking such measures as are absolutely required. I, I think so far, the types of measures I've seen them talk about don't strike me as over the top, don't strike me as tyranny. Uh, but, but as you mentioned before, we certainly want to be mindful of precedence and we certainly don't want to do, shouldn't want to do uh, anything more than is strictly necessary. And as for the court of public opinion uh, that you alluded to, I mean, if, if this is indeed uh, limited in both scope and, and duration, uh, if we get a quick resolution and, you know, the, the use of this, this power is limited, I, I suppose maybe Justin Trudeau comes out of this looking like, you know, the leader who stepped up and, and resolved the situation. But I don't know if that's the most likely end to all of this here. I mean, you, you talked about the risk all of this poses to, to Trudeau's political future. Already polls show that Canadians are not impressed with how he's handled this. Could this yeah. be, you know, the defining moment of his, his time as prime minister? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you'd have to say, as I think you were suggesting, that there's more downside than upside for him. So short of some just absolutely... Uh, it's stupendously easy, bright, uh, um, bright line, uh, uh, you know, dismantling of the blockades, and it's all because of the new power. I mean, it's just hard to see them coming out of this looking like, like heroes. Uh, and at the same time, it's it's entirely possible the whole thing could blow up in his face, uh, and 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 he gets blamed more than the city or the province, who arguably have more to do with the with the crisis having arisen in the first place. Um, you know, there was clear. I mean, I don't want to second guess police too much. 
uh, now that they're there. I think there may be good reasons. I don't know, but there may be good reasons why they have been very cautious about going in, possibly because of the guns, et cetera, that may be in the middle of this. But it's really hard. It's really hard to give them the benefit of the doubt as to why they were allowed in in the first place. That really does look like just a colossal error of judgment. And until I see some evidence otherwise, I I think we're entitled to to blame them to, to that extent. Well, Andrew, we'll leave it there. See how it all plays out. Your latest is mentioned up at theglobeandmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. Likewise, all the best. Andrew Coyne, columnist for The Globe and Mail, theglobeandmail.com. So uh, not a, not a full-throated endorsement of the uh, invocation of the Emergencies Act, as Andrew says, but uh, that, that the government can make the case, and he's, he's open to that case. So some interesting points that he raises. How does this all end, though? And how does the prime minister come out of this? The prime minister who let it get this bad, who might have played a role in it getting this bad, and has to resort to this to try to resolve it. I I don't know how that would be good for any politician's standing in the eyes of the public. That's for sure. You know, in the, the scenario where this all resolves itself neatly and quickly and happily, which I guess could maybe salvage uh, Trudeau's reputation here, seems not likely, to put it mildly. Uh, so yes, this this could end up defining his his time as prime minister. This could end up expediting the the end of that time as prime minister. So I suppose uh, for all of those who say you know we're trying to to force the prime minister out, we need to get rid of Trudeau. It's possible that this could happen, and it's possible even that that Trudeau himself might have uh, contributed to that, which I guess is ironic at some level. Uh, but ultimately, in the meantime, yes, look, I mean, the government's made a pretty significant and consequential decision, one that should not be taken lightly. Uh, you heard uh, a case just now for, for maybe why this could be justified. And yes, look, this, this law is not the War Measures Act. This is not martial law. This is not a suspension of civil liberties. But it does give the government... Uh, some some powers here that it normally wouldn't have. There's oversight from the courts, from parliamentary committees. Uh, you know, there's a lot that went into this legislation, which was brought in by the Mulroney government in 1988, we should note. Uh, so that's important as well, that the government's, you know, it certainly has to justify this, the invocation of it and, and how it's deployed. Okay. Uh, listen, we got to take another quick break here uh, as we uh, wind down here this afternoon. Our number in Edmonton, 780-496-0063. In Calgary, 403-974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.